We are Chris and Beth Bruno, and this is the Walking With Podcast. We lead a team of brave and brilliant story work counselors and coaches around the country, all committed to helping you come alive. Join us as we explore the sacred landscape of the human heart at the intersection of theology, psychology, and ministry. We are in a series on psychology, turning terms you may have heard into real person, practical, understandable language. Today, we're joined by our Colorado-based therapist, Sam Alvis, to talk about embodiment, a word I think we hear about a lot, but don't often associate it to faith and healing. You can learn more about Sam over at restorationcounselingnoco.com slash Sam Alvis. And of course, anything else you need to know about us on the same site or visit our digital laboratory site at restorylabs.com, the space to come alive via courses, memberships, webinars, and more. Here's our conversation with Sam. Sam, you've been a part of our team for over a year now, and uh, can you just give us a sense of how did you end up here? How did you join the restoration team? What are the things that brought you into the world of counseling? Mm, um, a loaded question indeed. Um, and many different spaces um, that we could go to in answering of that question. Um, but I really didn't want to be a therapist. <laughs> we'll start with that, uh, which might, an answer that you might not expect um, hearing someone who is a therapist, talk about their profession, who is deeply passionate about it. But I kind of came into the counseling world um, almost kicking and screaming because I knew that to engage in the work as a therapist, um, I would continue to have to do the work that I began as a client. I would continue to have to explore those spaces within me that are vulnerable and tender and full of pain. And frankly, I just wanted to make lattes instead <laughs> um, or, or do it. Yeah, do something that was not this and, and, not but, but and. Uh, the, the work that I get to do with clients, uh, I am deeply, deeply privileged um, to, to walk these spaces of pain, of vulnerability, of shame, um, and to, to, to be um, a witness bearer to that experience. Um, and, so, and so I come into this space, you know, on the other side as a therapist, um, with many, many experiences as the client, continuing to be a client. Um, and it's been my own experiences of, of pain, of mental illness in my family, of grief, of trauma, of, of experiencing um, really bad theology <laughs> that led to and bred um, really bad mental health um, and wanting to, um, to offer a different experience and to, to show clients that, hey, <laughs> it actually doesn't have to be that way. I love that. I'm so glad you're with us, Sam. Sam, you bring so much to the table and we're super excited to hear from you today about some of the work that you do here at Restoration Counseling. And uh, we would just to love to have you just dive right in to why is it important to engage the body in the work of counseling and in the work of your own spiritual health, like all of those things. So can you just use that as a launching pad and, and go from there? Yeah, absolutely. So it seems like I'm not addressing your question, but I'll get to it by route of bringing in a different topic Perfect. really quick. Perfect. But um, I specifically chose to get my master's degree in counseling at a seminary because I found it super um, imperative to acknowledge 
the theological and spiritual underworkings of people in their mental health and in their lives. And the reason that I chose the, the school that I did was watching a promo video um, for the specific school and the professor who at the time um, or who later would become a supervisor for me said that bad theology breeds bad mental health. Mm. And as I heard that, I, yep, yes. And that resonated deep into my body and deep into my soul from all the experiences that I had had um, with bad theology. And, and so I bring that up because we have a lot of bad theology about the body, about emotions, um, and about our physicality. And, and so often we, we bring that bad theology um, into our stories and into our counseling spaces and sometimes even us as therapists um, un, 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 unknowingly um, adopt that same bad theology about the body and encourage clients to override the body um, via their thoughts, via emotions, and, and via prayer. And so um, I'm passionate about bringing a more holistic understanding of, of really good, sound, holistic theology about the importance of our physicality and, and about being made in the image of God and, and what in the world that has to do with our stories. Sam, that's fascinating. And I, I mean, we'll dive into what that looks like holistically in a, in a positive therapeutic way, but give us a couple examples of what you mean by bringing bad theology around the body into, mm. you know, our, just even our faith and into the counseling room. What it, give us a few ways that happens. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, um, hmm, that's a great question. Um, so we often, um, particularly in the Western church, um, we often override our um, very basic physiological needs. Um, and, and we kind of spiritualize um, suppressing those needs. Um, and we even honor, um, you know, yeah, work harder, don't sleep, serve more, do more. And so we, uh, we minimize the importance of the physicality of the very natural rhythms that God has instilled within our bodies and within the created order. Um, and, and, and we just completely dismiss um, their, their God-given goodness. And so with sleep, with food, with work, with, um, you know, oh, you know, I have this gut reaction that something's off in this, in this room with this person. Oh, I just need to trust that they are good and I just need to love them well. Mm-hmm. And so we, we override um, what our bodies tell us. Um, and yeah, and, and we, we favor the other ways of knowing um, rather than the, the body's knowledge. Mm-hmm. I love how you just said that your body actually speaks. What is your mm-hmm. body trying to tell you and actually mm-hmm. and listening to it as part of the created order, as part mm-hmm. of how we are to understand ourselves and God is actually written into the physicality of who we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he speaks through our bodies. And, and as, as much as there inher- is inherent beauty and wisdom and knowledge in the body, uh, there's also immense pain mm-hmm. and suffering and betrayal and wounding. And so what is very tricky about the body, which is also very tricky about our relationships and about our stories, is that the same places that have opportunities for healing and goodness 
are also the very same spaces where deep suffering and, and pain um, has experienced too. And, and so we, we lump it all together into one and, oh, my body has been, has betrayed me or my body has been wounded in this way. Therefore, the body is all bad and there's no space or place left for redemption or, or restoration in the body. Mm. Go ahead. How do you begin to understand which, what is happening? How do you mm. parse that out? you have a body <laughs> to first realize um, Start there. That, that, that you have a body and that you are embodied. Um, and I think it's really, um, really easy to say, oh yeah, you know, the engaging the body in mental health or in story work is important in stories of physical or sexual abuse in stories of, you know, physical addiction, eating disorders, um, things that are very obviously connected to the body. But actually, regardless of whatever your struggle is or your presenting issue, the body is always at work. And so knowing that you don't have to um, struggle with your embodiedness in a particular way um, in order to, to get connected to your body and to reclaim some goodness in your body. Um, so, so just start with acknowledging that you actually have a body and it has a lot to say. What would it look like to to come to come to you without one of those major issues or of a of a past that you just described? Um, something you know, just I don't know. I'm I'm wanting you to give kind of an example of what it would mm-hmm. look like for you to help someone become more in tune with what's going on in their body and to bridge that gap of whatever was wounded with what, wherever healing can occur. Mm. Um, what would mm. that look like in process? Mm-hmm. Gentle is the word that first comes to mind. Um, Cause I think it can be really easy to think, Oh, let me engage in this mindfulness practice and, you know, do this body scan to really pay attention to what's going on in my body and to kind of dive on in. Um, but, but there's a reason that perhaps that disconnect from the body is there. Um, and so with, with gentleness, um, we'll, we'll start to simply just to acknowledge, huh, okay, what's it like to sit um, in this chair? What, what surface is underneath? Okay, I, I notice that you're holding a cup of tea as, as we're in session together. What does that feel like? Um, to, to just gently start to restore any sense of connection to your embodied self, rather than diving on into the depths of the, 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 the deep wounding and pain in your body. Um, and so just slowly starting to, um, to restore or maybe to make connections for the first time um, to your embodied self. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, I was talking to someone um, who's also on our team. We were venting a little bit with one another, um, just we're very similar. And we're angry about a lot of what's going on. That's kind of our gut reaction. And we're feeling that in our bodies. And she mm-hmm. was telling me that one of her practices, just to ground herself, is to go to a lake and find a large rock that mm-hmm. she can sit on and will hold mm-hmm. her. And it's this this physical reminder of when all else feels chaotic or mm-hmm. I can't control, there's this mm-hmm. rock that mm. can hold the weight 
of me mm-hmm. and everything else. And it's, it is that connection physically mm-hmm. with what's going on inside. Mm-hmm. I love that example. Mm-hmm. Could you think of some other examples that people can do outside of counseling, just in their daily mm-hmm. rhythms that would help them to become more embodied? Mm, yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great question because um, there's there's plenty of opportunities, especially right now um, throughout this COVID season, to stay disembodied, to stay disconnected because everything out there is too much, is too anger inducing, anxiety inducing, fear inducing, and so it's cer- certainly the you know the stage is set perfectly to stay disembodied, um, and so what would it look like to create, you know, small, gentle, invitational spaces um, to, to be a body. Um, and the answer that I give to my clients often and the answer that I'll give to you now is it depends. There's no, you know, one surefire way um, for you to be embodied. But, but find ways that work for you. Um, and it doesn't actually have to be this super, you know, strategic or creative, innovative way of being a body. Like fold warm laundry out of the dryer. Notice what, what the fabric and what the, the temperature of folding that towel feels like on your hand. Um, pay attention to the dishes as you're washing them. Um, Listen to music in the car if you typically just get into the sound of your own head and your own anxiety. Or maybe turn the music off. Notice what it's like to sit in silence. Um, And and so I would encourage people to first find um, activities or rhythms that are already ingrained into the the daily habits of their lives, which there, there might not be a lot of structure or daily rhythms right now, so I acknowledge that too. Um, but find, find spaces and places that are already there and just notice, notice what it's like to do that thing that you always do, but notice that you're a body doing it. Notice that you have sensation as you do that mm-hmm. and what thoughts and meaning and emotions and maybe memories, stories might, might come up, um, in engaging in that very simple routine practice. Mm. And theologically, what's happening then when we're doing that? Mm-hmm. Uh, ugh, a lot. There's a lot that's there. Um, but we are being still and we are being in our body. Um, we are engaging and participating with the physicality of our image bearingness. Um, and, and we're also aware of, um, what, I'm, what do I want to say? Yeah, we, so there's a reason that one of the terms for God is Emmanuel, and that is God with us. And when we are so distracted or so disembodied and so just preoccupied with everything else, uh, because that feels safer, we don't actually in, invite or get to experience um, the withness of Emmanuel um, while folding laundry, while doing the dishes, while driving in the car. Um, and, and so theologically and experientially, um, we, we get a little bit of a taste um, of that um, connection, of that restoration of the presence of God uh, simply by folding laundry. Mm. 
which seems like a pretty mundane, um, not really spiritually savvy task. Um, that's actually deeply holy and, and very spiritual. Yeah, it feels to me that what you just said there is that we get to experience the God with us when we ourselves are also with us. Mm-hmm. That when we are with us in the folding of the laundry, when we are with ourselves sitting on the rock, there is an experience then of mm-hmm. the God with us as well. Mm-hmm. And that when we are disconnected from our bodies, we, we are also in that way disconnected from him. And the invitation, mm-hmm. what I'm hearing you say is the invitation to be embodied is to in, be invited back to the image of God that he has actually gifted us mm-hmm. with in our body so that in, in that space, we are then also with him. And that he is in the warmth of the towels. He is in the cleanliness of the soap and the dishes. He is in the firmness of the rock. And, but we, we would miss that because we were disembodied from ourselves and not experiencing the warmth of the towels. We're just folding them and, and putting them away. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, a, that's a much more succinct way of describing um, you know, what I was getting at is that when we are disconnected from self, we are also disconnected from God. <laughs> And there's a reason why there's that disconnect there. It's probably pretty terrifying at first to start to reconnect and to restore that embodiedness. Um, and so what does it look like in gentleness and in, in the safety of being with the other um, to start to come back to you, to come back to sensation and to come back into your body? Sam, we could talk for hours uh, about these things and definitely look forward to other times that we'll have you on the podcast. So Thank you so much for the work that you do here at Restoration. Sam, what's been the funniest situation you've found yourself in while doing all of this work virtually? Any crazy interruption, background explosion? Mm, um, So this was during like month one of COVID. Um, We had just found out that we had to move, had to sell our house. Both my husband and I were working from home. And so I found myself finally in this little like corner of this room that I named my office. And for a solid week straight, Denver Water had a jackhammer on the road outside and was just jackhammering all day long. And then, don't worry, a woodpecker found the corner (laughs) of the room that I was in. And so then the woodpecker was jackhammering. And so just... Each dear, dear client that um, bore with me through that process, I warned them, hey, there's a jackhammer, there's a woodpecker, and uh, welcome to counseling. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Our new home does not have a woodpecker. (laughs) Awesome. 